Welcome back to the Bigger Than Hunters podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, today we talked to Matt Lee. He's a public land hunter out of western Nebraska. Uh, rock solid dude. I've been in contact with him for years. We've talked back and forth all around. Just a, a great guy. Um, it, check out his uh, Instagram. It's under High Prairie Sportsman and his YouTube is High Prairie Sportsman. Uh, he goes over pretty much all of his public land hunts. He's always videoing when he's out there, so you can see what he's doing. If you're a new hunter, it's great. Stop into his YouTube because he has a lot of how-tos. Uh, this guy isn't someone that has a, you know, he's just a normal, normal, everyday kind of dude. So it's not like he's got a massive spread. Most of the time he runs one or two dozen. So if you really want to get in duck or goose hunting, awesome. Uh, I know he just got into snow goose, which you talked about, and then he also turkey hunt. So honestly, this would be the go-to dude for you to watch as a new hunter. So get to sit down and talk to him about uh, several things. We talk about uh, should we get rid of non-toxic shot or excuse me, toxic shot like lead. Uh, we talked about uh, the ammo and the guns he's been using. He's well known for using a 28 gauge. Uh, he just had an article wrote about him about in Wildfowl. And then we talk about East versus West Nebraska hunting. Uh, we kind of go into some other topics too, but that's kind of the gist of it. I love this episode. It's fo- so much fun to talk, sit down and talk to Matt. I look forward to hopefully hunting with him in the future. Uh, but before we get into the episode, this episode is brought to you by Spores What Basement Solution. Uh, Dave's an awesome guy. As you know, we're building a new house. So I went ahead and had Dave do the waterproofing. And then I also had him do the drain tile system. Second to none. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, on average, especially in our area here in Lincoln, Nebraska, I would say one in five, one in six homes have water issues in the first five years. There's a reason for that. It's because, one, they don't let the concrete settle. Two, the waterproofing's not very good. And three, they use that black drain tile. It gets full of mud. Water can't get through it. Boom. Now you got water issues. I've seen it. And funny enough, Jeremy, sent he uh, he actually paints new homes, and he actually sends me videos of water coming in the basements before they're even done with them. So uh, if you're looking to build a new home or if you got uh, wet basement problems, call up Dave at 402 476 uh, eight, five, eight, eight, or check him out at spores.com. This guy's, he's the real deal. So, uh, check him out and, uh, appreciate it and, uh, looking forward to the episode. So let's go ahead and jump in. Welcome back to the Bigger and Hunters podcast. It's your host, Hunter Dydle, and my buddy, Jeremy. How's it going, the, man? I'm going to call you the turkey master. Oh, yeah. I ain't no turkey master <laughs> this year. It's uh, crazy. Everybody, he he uh, told me, or he promised me a double-banded turkey. I didn't promise you anything. <laughs> I, you, I promised you a da- double-banded turkey just like you promised me a limited geese during goose season, so that didn't happen. Okay. That hurt. <laughs> <laughs> 
And our uh, our guest today, Matt, High Prairie Sportsman. How are you doing, Matt? Oh, not too bad. Wind finally quit blowing for a little bit today. <laughs> Man, it looks like you're YouTube. It sounds like you're having a little more. It looks like you're having a little more luck than Jeremy over here. I think yeah, I think we're even. I've got one on the board. Oh, yeah, we're. I guess we're tied. Yeah. And you know, actually, it's funny too because I, me, and my dad missed one during archery season too. So we're pretty much having the same season, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's Jeremy's nemesis, the branch. It just gets him, just takes him down. I will say, I, I won't throw shade, but I I think a branch is a little better than hitting the blind. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd give you that. I, although I will say that I watched that video and that bird was at like what eight yards for you guys. I mean that that was, uh, a, that was a big bird. I would have been freaking out even myself. Yeah. But. Yep. It happens. It really does. That's why it's called hunting. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's still out there. So. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> Jeremy and I've I've went them a couple times, and here's we he he keeps dealing with the same bird, and it, it's just a pain in the butt. He's telling me today about one that he called for like 600 yards in, and I'm pretty sure it's the same one we dealt with when we were hunting because he would like come down, hit the like 40 to 60, and then just kind of mosey around you like mm, I'd rather not. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it is what it is. But let's get into what our topic is tonight. Um, the other day I was listening to, a, actually it was a big honker podcast, and they were talking about how 15 million doves are shot each year by hunters, and then 20, uh, 20 million doves die each year from lead shot because birds eat lead shot, get lead poisoning, and then they die. Now, if anybody wants an article, I'd be glad to post it on our podcast page. Uh, jump over to Bigger Hunters Fans Forums. Jump on it like. Um, what, what's your initial thought, Matt? What, what's your initial thought of 20 million birds dying from lead poisoning? I mean, I believe it. You know, there's, there's those out there. You see people post, like, I don't know, Outdoor Life or something on Facebook. Some hunting group will post. But it, it could be anything, and they'll talk about steel shot, and there'll be guys being like, "Bam, steel shot, bring back lead. It's so much more effective." But you know, on the on the inverse of that is the effects that it does have on the wildlife that you know either they're wounded or crippled, or you know, birds picking them up, and then it just you know it magnifies the further you go up the food chain. So I'm I'm not a huge lead fan. I mean, I just used it for turkey because it's cheap that's the main advantage and it does work but i would not have any hurt feelings if they decided to get rid of it altogether yeah i mean i'd be the same way i i know that jeremy and i've had that discussion about just outright getting rid of it i mean kind of bring in this conversation like you're obviously a huge proponent of boss ammo and that that's like the whole narrative of boss ammo is it's it is yeah I wouldn't say it's quite lead, but it's definitely up to par in terms of kill power with lead. And I get it. I mean, it is a good chunk of change, but I mean, it solves an issue of you got to think to yourself, am I, am I a conservationist? And if I really believe that I'm a conservationist, then I'm willing to pay the extra buck or two in order to have more doves or, you know, really any waterfowl in general to be alive. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if, if you want to use steel, 
I mean, steel has came a long way since it was first introduced. You know, it was a super low velocity load when, I mean, they were using the same loads for lead that they, in the first steel load. So they were just, I mean, all the people that were hunting back then would tell you it would just bounce off birds, the steel loads, unless, you know, you got them in really tight. Now there's higher velocity steel loads and I'm not saying steel by any means is a great load out there, but it's a lot better than lead that, you know, environmentally speaking. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's, and that's why I got into boss even, you know, I, I think you and I had conversation about it because I get to the point where I got, I got frustrated about steel bouncing off geese and even to the point where it was like wounding geese. And then I have to chase cripples to the point where it's like, okay, like I'm going to make the transition at least on geese. And then I end up deciding to buy it on, on ducks, which is pretty lethal on ducks. I'm not going to lie, but, uh, what, I mean, what, what started you out with boss or what'd you, tra- you make the transition? Well, I guess, uh, it's probably when I started using my 28 gauge, honestly, is, you know, I wanted to make the most of every pellet I had and the biggest, or I guess the smallest, no, the biggest, uh, shot size that I could find in steel was six shot. And I was not comfortable shooting six steel shot at mallards or even geese. So decided to try boss and they'll go up to fours and three, five mix for the, like the biggest pellets they have. And I mean, the, just the knockdown power alone is incredible between that and steel. And I've heard it, you know, not just boss, there's other business bismuth loads out there and tungsten is even better than that. Supposedly. Yeah, I'm curious. I'd like to at some point try tungsten just for the heck of it, but man, talk about spending. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. Going from Boss Street to tungsten. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Boss is right about like thirty bucks a box, and you kick in tungsten. You're, most of tungsten shells are like fifty, fifty mm-hmm. bucks a box. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a chunk of change. <laughs> oh my yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Waterfowling right now is. It doesn't matter, but man, waterfowling is experience or expensive as as it is, and now trying to add that in. Oof. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> expensive, I mean, <laughs> I'm buying more snow goose decoys, and I just I keep acquiring a few here and there, and it's a good thing because I'm I'm picking them off cheap because people that are either like recycling what they've got or whatnot, but. Every time I text Jeremy, he's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he keeps sending me pictures. <laughs> be like, oh, I got these. <clears throat> so good season's over, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, hey, you can never have too many decoys. Oh, no, yeah. And I This year, like, I understand the sickness a little bit. <laughs> I got Jeremy, it. do you? Well, dude, if I wasn't dealing with this house right now, yeah. I, would, I would be buying some myself. I haven't, other than the two that I've seen pop up, I have not seen, like, many like many for sale really yeah but matt how did your snow i mean it seemed like you had a couple good days how'd your snow goose season go yeah uh well you know the first as soon as conservation season started i was out the first three days and got skunked each day (laughs) and it was you know we laying out in fields we a-frame hunted i think uh what else did i do i don't know early mornings you know setting up all the spreads and all that and Nothing. Didn't even fire a shot. And then it was a couple weeks, waited a couple weeks, just, you know, had other stuff to do. And finally, when the juvie showed up, that's when we got into, you know, got into them, uh, hunted some 
small water, like a little pond. And I think we shot nine or something. And then like the last hurrah a couple weeks ago went out Friday afternoon. And then a Saturday morning, we got 30 and 40 some the next day. So that was awesome. I remember seeing you had a couple of really good hunts there right at the end. Yeah. those, Those are like the first, decoying big groups of snow geese i've ever got into so i'm yeah i'm a i'm addicted to that now too so. well, yeah I, see i went into it like completely blind i I'd, I'd gone once as a kid with my dad but like young enough i didn't even have a gun in my hand and so this year was such an experience for me and honestly the hunt that made it for me was when we had like we had like six thousand snows over us one morning i think that was a morning hunt yeah and man, they worked so hard, but every time we'd get up, we'd just about get up to shoot. Like there was like a thousand specks mixed in with them. And this just big group of specks would come under them. And we just, we never got to shoot at them, but watching that, <laughs> oh boy, you see, you get several thousand birds working you like that. <laughs> uh, so what did you guys normal or what'd you use? Did you guys like go field hopping, just feed hunting with socks or did you guys use full bodies too? Uh, mostly all socks. Uh, early on I've got, cause I don't, I only have a handful of snow goose because I just got silhouettes. Um, so I just add to the spread, but all my, you know, I've got buddies with uh, socks and full bodies, but we just hunted mainly over socks this year. So yeah, it, I think they really work on feeds cause they're, like we've talked about in the past, they're just like very, uh, they're very rapid feeders or really aggressive feeders. So I think that movement really kills it on the feed side. But a lot of what we're running is like low stuff where they just hang out next to a pond. So that's why I've been picking up all those full bodies, trying to build the full body side of the spread. Well, the other thing is with the permanent spread aspect, I think the longer it sits there, especially since we had so many birds that just hung out in our area. Yeah. You know, they see it so many times coming over it. Yeah, for sure. Having more full bodies is definitely the answer there. But They're expensive. They are. But uh, kind of getting back to a topic we talked about, um, or at least you did. You kind of said it was your 28 gauge. So you've, you have kind of become the 28 gauge man. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's unexpected. I just. I just picked it up because, you know, I've always wanted one for years and finally made the transition and I just fell in love with it, hunting with it, shooting with it. I mean, just awesome little gun. I think the big thing that sticks out for me at least, but especially being like a public land hunter and you've obviously hunted the side of the States with like smaller marshes is the fact that there's such a big noise difference between even like a 20 and a 12 gauge. And we've, Jeremy and I have even discussed on like buying a smaller gauge just from a the, that standpoint of trying to minimize the amount of noise you're making. Do you see a big difference in that? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, you can be hunting just like, just for instance, last year I was hunting one area and there'd be birds on the, you know, opposite side. I'd get up, shoot a bird. Those birds want to leave. Um, and you know, there's, there's all, there's articles about people who've noticed that too. There's duck clubs in like California that are sub gauge only because it spooks the birds less, but also, you know, that it just, that sound dissipates a lot quicker with the 28 gauge versus like a 12 or a 10 gauge where it just echoes. So 
it does help you, you know, kind of hide your location a little better, especially if you're just by yourself. Yeah, I mean, normally that's a the interesting thing is you see, you think back to your times in the marsh, like. If you ever, <clears throat> if someone's in the marsh hunting with the 10 gauge, like you, like you, we don't have that great of ears like as humans, but you can definitely tell who's got a 10 gauge. It sounds like oh, a yeah. cannon. So like I, if we can tell, obviously the birds can tell. So that's the crazy part of it, of like the differences in gauges. And that's what we've talked about, um, doing like a smaller gauge, uh, so how did this uh, wildfowl article come up? Uh, they just called me up and asked me if I wanted to do an article. I said, sure. <laughs> so, That's pretty legit. No, I, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. You know, I get a – because the guy called me. He's like, have you ever heard of wildfowl? I'm like, I actually have a subscription to you guys. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I've I've read Wildfowl a few times. I got a few of their magazines, but yeah, it was pretty cool to see that come up. But I mean, out of his thesis, what do you think the biggest like pro is of having a twenty eight gauge? Is it is it the noise or just uh, what's your thoughts? I like how quick I can get on target with it. Um, you know, they're they're super lightweight and very very low recoil. Granted, that depends on what shells you're shooting, but uh, for generally speaking, they're very low recoil. But I can just, you know, pull up and have that gun shouldered and be on target a lot quicker than, you know, my 12 gauge. So I, for that, for that aspect, especially when you got birds at like, like teal season or dove season, it's great where they just come out of nowhere and you got to get on, get on them quick. What's your, like, what's your thoughts? I, I feel like sometimes, um, if I have like a really, um, a gun that doesn't weigh much, or light gun, then I tend to swing a lot faster. Do you have that? Did you have to kind of? Did you have that issue or no? That that is kind of a, a drawback that some people. I don't really particularly notice it, but some people, you know, they don't like twenty eight gauges for that reason. They call them too pointy. Where you know those bigger guns, you have more momentum, so you have a smoother swing. Twenty eight gauge, you lose that weight, so you can get on target quicker, but you can't keep smooth swing so that can you know be a detriment to some people but personally i don't really notice it see that's kind of why i've always like i won't lie uh you've ruined me hunter's not quite there but i want a 28 gauge in a bad way <laughs> and it, it is solely because of you i like With some I, maybe you could probably <laughs> convince me to you know go bankrupt to buy some boss for the 28 gauge but um <laughs> i've part of the reason that i've kind of always wanted one don't get me wrong like with my 12 gauge i consider myself somebody who can swing quite well and stay with a bird very well but my the best way i shoot honestly is like the get up pretty much shoulder my gun and you know squeeze the trigger like i'm not Generally, like, I'm an on-target shooter, and that's why the 28 has always been so interesting to me because I don't rely on my swing to make sure I, you know, connect. It Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, you're more of an instinctual shooter. Yes, and in, exactly. And so, I don't know. I, I just, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm the world's greatest shooter, but I feel like I would make the transition pretty well to it. And so it's, uh, make me spend money. 
Just do it, buddy. I want to so bad, but so uh, since you've had, let's see, have you had two or three of them now? I've had two. I've used three. Okay. So, because I know that first main one you've been shooting for a long time. What's another TriStar? I feel like I asked yeah. you about it at one point, but that was probably a long time ago. So, what do you think about that TriStar? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a bad gun until, you know, it didn't, until it stopped working, basically. <laughs> uh, uh, rumor, social, social media rumors has that you dunked it a little bit, and that might have not helped. No, I didn't. Actually, are you talking when I took a swim? Yeah. I actually saved the gun. Oh, really? I, okay. <laughs> at the detriment of my left arm, but I kept the gun dry. I just remember <laughs> seeing that you were... I remember your story. You were cleaning your gun, and I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I've been there before." Because <laughs> you're like, but, like yeah. no, uh, no, it's uh, you know, I, I I didn't have many issues shooting it the first year, and then just you know, I cleaned it, and for whatever reason, it would occasionally jam, even the first year, mm-hmm. and then it just got so much worse this year. And there was like, like it, I would notice some of my shells would be cut. Like there's oh. like a burr somewhere on the inside. Okay. Um, when it when it does work, I mean it 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 does work. I'm not gonna say anything bad about that, but yeah, uh, you know it. I mean it's a cheaper gun, and if you can keep it keep it in well order, it it'll serve you good. But uh, I just haven't had the best luck this last year with mine. Yeah. Wow. So I need to send it back. As I say, I, now that you have that Benelli or. Right, it's Benelli, right? Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the ethos. Isn't yeah, it? I was gonna say. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then right after I bought that thing, Benelli came out with the SBE three in a twenty eight gauge, and I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah, that's the the I've been looking at the twenty gauge, but I'm like I'm in between because I so my wife shoots that uh, she shoots the Winchester SX three, and it like. I really, if I wasn't, if I wasn't a Benelli guy, I really would make the transit into Winchester because it shoots. I love my SX4. Like it shoots fresh, and if Winchester decided to do a twenty-eight gauge, done, sold. I couldn't keep myself <laughs> from doing it. So like they've got, yeah, there's a couple of these Winchesters that I would really, I I've been honestly thinking about because they've got the twenty gauge SX4 and. I guess it's the buckshot. I don't know that I want that one or the buck version, but either way, they've got one for like nine ninety nine instead of having to pay eighteen hundred bucks. And I'm like, I almost got enough Cabela's points for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, I put all my, uh, I, I pay for gas at work, and then they give me expense card back or expense it back to me, and so I just slowly just pound up the Cabela's points slowly. That's the way to do it. And I also have a, a Shields card. I do the same thing. I walked in the other day, and I had, like, six or seven, like, Shields cards. And he kind of just looks at me. He's like, what did you get all these for? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what do you think about that ethos? Oh, I love it. I haven't had one issue with it. Uh, one thing, I guess, because I got the Super Sport, and I guess the Cordoba has kind of, it's they're both ethos. It's just, I don't know. Kind of like different models or something, but the uh, the Ethos Super Sport is has that shine on it, 
you know, it really shines in the sun, which isn't the best for duck hunting, but that would be my only complaint. It still, it still looks good. You know, I just keep it out of the sun and the ducks won't see it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's something that I would say, and we've had this discussion about like 20, 28 gauges. Like sometimes we, we struggle on the difference in like cover. And I mean, you've, you've hunted down this way, but like they're like, you have a lot of like two leaves and that kind of stuff around uh, reservoirs that you're hunting. And a lot of stuff down here is more trees or shrub stuff around like ponds or lakes. I mean, it, mm-hmm. do you, do you agree with that or do you like, what's your experience? No, that's, you know, I'm always hiding typically in cattails or my tumbleweed blinds. Um. <laughs> uh, that tumbleweed blind. I haven't figured out where it is yet, Matt, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Kind of. He's going to I mean, there's, there's a bunch of them. So yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'll just go make some decoy blinds this summer. Keep people on their toes. <laughs> Jeez. See now they've got yeah they've got the super black eagle three on my cabels right now. They've got the timber and it's like sixteen ninety nine. Oh, that's. If I didn't have a baby on the way, I'd probably go buy that. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you quit buying so many <laughs> snow goose decoys. Maybe Shay will let you buy it. I I'm up to about twelve hundred bucks in snow goose decoys. Oh I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> that'll happen well you, you know you paid three four hundred bucks here six hundred bucks there and just it it adds up it's true oh yeah and then when i buy and stuff from people i always hear like well like i got these other ones and i'm like oh i guess i'll take those too <laughs> it's like that there's a guy and <clears throat> supposed to be bringing me something on thursday and it's like couple dozen full bodies a dozen a half dozen another set of full bodies and then a dozen floaters and he's like well i got these other full bodies they don't have the stakes but i'll give them a hundred bucks for a dozen I'm like oh i guess fine just bring them <laughs> <laughs> what are you I mean, what are you gonna do i guess yep just keep adding them on might as well too good a deal it's like you're at the kid in the candy store and you're just like well i guess might as well, might as well take the candy bar with me here we go <laughs> Don't tell my wife though. <laughs> does she listen to this? Uh, she sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't. It just depends on the podcast and if she's got time and stuff. <laughs> she's been like the first trimester of uh the baby has just kicked her butt and she's been nausea here, nausea there, you know. Some days she's good, some days she just yeah, it's bad, but it is what it is. But uh, let's talk about that since we've kind of bounced back and forth. You've hunted the east side of the state because you you went to college down here, correct? Yep. And then you've hunted out west. So Jeremy and I have had this debate many times over. What's your thoughts? Is the west side of the state or the east side of the state more pressured in terms of hunters per capita? Ooh, that's, that's a good question. I believe hmm. in you. I believe in you. <laughs> I mean, they're just like the public land areas in eastern Nebraska. There's not a ton. They're not very big. And you've got two of the biggest, well, you've got the two biggest population centers right there. So I would put, you know, that would be more pressure. Are, are we counting like teal season too? Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll say I'll say Eastern side's more pressured. Woo! Let's go. Uh, pain. <laughs> that sucks. Hey, I mean the base the basins. No, you yeah. go out opening weekend kill season in the basins. <laughs> oh, I do that journey every dang year. So I, no, I. I mean, I know it's busy. I I also know that your area is a madhouse at times. It, yeah, there's especially there's for days big at the duck. war zone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I exper- we got to experience that area for opening weekend this last year, and uh, I'll do it again, but I definitely have a different plan going into it. <laughs> I mean, we had we had two different areas that we hunted, and I don't think there was people in either area. Yeah, but... Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wish we would have hunted the busier area because that's where Matt was, and he, you did really well opening weekend, and we did not. And you know what sucks? Oh. That that <laughs> Sunday of opening weekend, I told you. I mean, Matt wouldn't have loved this, but I told you we should have been right where Matt was. And guess who shot a limit that day, and who didn't? <laughs> well, it sounded like there was a group of guys around you in that area. Well, we saw them because all their kayaks were there and stuff, but. Like, there was four other groups besides me out there that day. Yeah. I just didn't want to fuss with all the craziness. I'm I'm just that way in general. So, like, I know we have talked about it, but, like, opening... I honestly... I stay away from, like, crazy public land opening days. And I will, I will take a day that is subpar or, like, okay in, like, a private land scenario over a crazy public land scenario opening day. Because people are just... I don't know oh, what it yeah. is. I don't know what it is about it. But people just get all jazzed up about See, it. And I think that's the east east side of this state coming out of me because, like, don't get me wrong. If I have a great private land spot for those opening opening days, that's what I want to hunt. Don't get me wrong. But I th- I have become so used to just trying to be where the birds are. And so, like, on opening days... Now, I'm not one of those people that's interested in being 100 yards from people. I'm not. Yeah. Like, that... I wanted to be safe, and I want everybody to be well-distanced. And don't get me wrong, I've been in those positions where people have not done it right, but generally it's because they come in around me. Yeah. But... On opening weekends in particular, I just want to shoot birds. (laughs) Like, that sounds so bad. (laughs) But... Uh, yeah, I, I would pick, so if there, say if I've got like three to five guys and it's either shooting almost a limit or shooting like 10 birds on private land all by yourself, I'll, t- I'll take the 10 birds all day. No problem. What kind of birds are we talking though? Teal. Teal? What yeah. if I'm shooting mallards? Still. Really? Yeah. Nah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that one. I think if I told you I had a... A hole with mallards in it on public? Mm, it depends. Like, I would say most of the time when you get into mallards like that, it's usually cold and yeah. there's not that many groups. No, you're there. right. I couldn't convince you to go shoot pintails with me, so. No. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I see you jazzing Jordan from the duck gun. Uh, all I see you jazzing him about pintails all the time, and I just... I find that hilarious, and then I'm sitting over here like, I, I don't care. I hate pintails so bad. <laughs> Why do you hate pintails? Because they just work, and they work, and they work. And I, it's just like, 
I literally have. I'll have to send you the clip sometime, Matt. But I have a video from this uh, this last season, <laughs> and we're we're hunting one. The spot we pretty much just ended up uh, became our bread and butter butter for the year with the low bird numbers on the east side. Um, and we had what like four or five pintails that came out of nowhere on yep. the first pass. They were at like thirty five forty. And then they just circled and circled and circled, kind of constantly got higher, <laughs> higher, left, came back, circled again, left, came back. <laughs> At one point, Hunter just threw up his hands and just cursed them out. And was, I hate pintails. I hate them so much. He was so done with them. It was hilarious. <laughs> Sounds like me and walleye. Oh, dude, I, have you done any this year? I've gone out twice. I'm stupid things i can't i'll get a bite and they don't you know they're not like a bass or a trout where they just take it they just nibble that makes me so mad see that is the exact same thing i do with pintails you know mallards or gadwall they're just like hey we're here to play (laughs) yeah and pintails like "Mm, mm, maybe nah never mind i don't want to well (laughs) hard pass hard pass we did get a group, like a really nice group. To well, yeah. Then, like two days later, I think it might have actually been that same group, just different conditions, and they did it dirty. But, but let's uh, let's talk about that. So I'm curious on what your your thought is or what your experience is. So I'm not gonna lie, Matt. I'm just to be frank with you. We cursed you a lot this season. <laughs> and there were two people in the state of Nebraska that I knew that shot birds consistently and ironically they both were named matt you got matt from the other guys and then you and so literally (laughs) we would be like we'd get done with a hunt in the morning and you know you you kind of at that point in the morning where nothing's happening so you're flipping through social media just bsing and you shot another limit and we're just like oh my god You you were cursed a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. So what what, what ended up being your numbers for this year? Uh, see, 183 ducks and 45 geese, not counting snows. I like. I don't think. I don't think we killed 180 the last two years. I don't think the whole group shot 180 ducks this year. I. Like, you count everybody in your group, everybody in my group. Yeah. I think I landed somewhere around 50. <sighs> 70 yeah. if you count teal. Well, you got to count teal. Well, I usually do, but I'm just doing quick math here. It was a it was a rough season. So, question. What do you think the hap- – or what's your thoughts on where the migration ended up? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think I think we got most of our birds down. At, you know, that's going to be contrary to what a lot of people are going to say. Um, but what I think is happening is just they're moving more at night, and they just come in one big push, and we just we don't see a lot of them because um, you know right right after season they all show up, and I think they're coming up from the south more because you're seeing the guys down in Kansas shooting them, you're seeing Oklahoma shoot them. And they're finding those little refuges where they can just load into and be safe until, you know, they're not getting pressured that first week after season. But 
I don't know. I think the duck population as a whole might be on the decline, just seeing less birds. But I think the migration, like this year, at least, we've got most of our birds down. I would agree with you. Uh, a couple of changes I would make is the migration pattern that we saw, and this kind of confirms it with like Os- Osborne Labs and then Delta Waterfowl's migration maps is because we really struggled with water in the eastern part of the state and even central, that a lot of our birds that usually come to eastern Nebraska went into like central Iowa. So they followed the central Iowa path because Iowa like, got that massive rain in like storm. Late, late September, late early September, October. Yeah. And so they followed that corridor and then the western birds seem to push like far west, like talking like border of Colorado, Nebraska on the front range and then into your area. Would you would you agree or what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'd I'd say that, you know, just uh even into Wyoming and you know, further further west than us even. But yeah, I that makes sense. You know, it was too it was so dry they just kept flying or found areas with more water. And the other thing that we would see is we would see it very similar to you. We'd see like when the when the getting was good, it was good. There's a lot of birds around, but they did not stay around mm-hmm. long. They they would stay a couple days and then they'd be into Kansas. Well, like I I know that would happen because when all the divers came through, and I remember like so we, we had hunted the day before. Uh, it was it was during the week that they all came through. Um, we hunted the day before. We shot like nothing. It might have been that day that we shot this that yeah. pintail and bluebill. I came back and scouted the next evening, and where we've been hunting a lot, where we hunted a lot this year, there was thousands of divers, and like a massive amount. And they literally got up that night and left. I mean, I watched them all leave. It was like I've seen. I saw that happen a couple times this year. Where we had a bunch of birds, and then they were just gone the next day. So I agree. I think I think they traveled at night a little more this year. I mean, we yeah, never, there's we never really had any crazy storms that would have like kept moonlight out of the equation. But uh, now there was. Okay, <clears throat> go ahead. Sorry, there was a couple days. Like I can remember two days in particular. Um, where we went out or I went out by myself, you know, Northwest wind, cold front coming through. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is going to be a good day. And we went out to these spots and I think I saw 10 ducks both days. Yeah. I mean, shot, shot one and maybe like three, but people and people around the area that just like with awesome blinds and stuff. They're like, yeah, we did. We just didn't see them. No one knew where they were. And this was like, you know, cold fronts coming through in mid November. So, who know? I I don't know. It was a weird kind of a weird year until we got the cold weather. I think everybody like just looked at this year as being weird because so what was that 2018 when we got all the rain? The last couple of years, you know, Nebraska's been relatively wet, and then don't get me wrong, last year a lot of birds skipped us. Uh, that being the 2020 2021 season. And then I think people had higher expectations to, for us not to be skipped. And I think we just ended up still getting skipped a little bit this year <laughs> because of how dry it was. Yeah. So but. what's, uh? I've seen you post this a few times, but uh, is it more of a joke 
or is it being serious or both? I see you post a lot on like Duck Gun Chronicles podcast or Duck Gun Podcast Facebook page about everyone should just go to Kansas and hunt Kansas. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Yeah, they love non-resident hunters down there. I hear they they're big fans of them, and uh, but no, uh, no, Kansas can be good. You know, there's they're like I I put them in kind of a similar position as Nebraska in that there's not as much like everyone makes Kansas out to be this mecca of waterfowl. And, and there are, I mean, there's good hunting to be had, but there's not a huge variety of public lands. Like people say there's tons of public land in Nebraska too. And that's unfortunately not the case. You know, you look at the Western states that have vast acres and tracts of land for, compared to, I think Nebraska and Kansas are among the top bottom 10 or something in public land acres. Uh, Nebraska's uh, third from the bottom. I know that. I don't know where okay. I don't know where Kansas is, or at least we used to be. I know we've picked up like a couple hundred thousand acres in the last five years or so. But, um, but yeah, we you know uh, there's there's good there's good hunting to be had in Kansas. It's, but anymore, uh, you know, a lot of guys are saying they're seeing a ton of non-resident pressure because. Arkansas is not as good as it used to be. The birds aren't moving quite as far south as they used to be. So you've got all this pressure. Um, I know, like they say, guys, well, the Atlantic Flyway itself is nowhere near what it be or what it used to be. They was it like a two two mallard limit a day, or yeah. maybe even a one and one goose a day, or something like just yeah. insane numbers over in those flyways. So those guys are, if they're serious, they're picking up and they're either moving or they're making trips to Kansas, Nebraska, you know, the central flyway or Pacific flyways. That actually brings up an interesting question, but I want to hold on to it for just a second. Um, do you, I'll ask a different question. Um, do you think, cause it's kind of an opinion that I've been growing on, especially like I've kind of started dipping my toes into non-resident stuff for turkey hunting in particular, but hear me on, I'll get to it. Um, do you think that this big movement, you know, and I'm here for it. I, I completely agree with it. But this big movement put on people like put on by people like the hunting public, maybe born and raised kind of guys, you know, the big game hunters of hunting all these different states is starting to flow into you know, your waterfowl hunters just as much causing these non-residents to go out and venture new areas, not just the, you know, fact that some of the southern states aren't as good as they used to be, you know. I don't know, I because I've definitely noticed even the last two or three years in the areas that I hunt, for openers in particular, I mean, I think for teal season this year in the basin, I saw ten different states, which three or four years ago I wouldn't have seen. So, I don't know, I, I think, sorry, getting to the, I think that some of those big game hunters that have started doing the, you know, the multiple states hunting, I think it's starting to flow into waterfowl hunters as well. What's your thoughts on that? I, yeah, you know, I could see that. I I don't know if it's that or it's just more, you know, in their own areas, there's less places or, you know, it's not as good as it used to be, or, you know, maybe they're going after a particular species. Cause yeah. I mean, going up to Canada, you know, Saskatchewan or Alberta, whatever, 
early season has always been big. Going to North Dakota has always been big for people to go waterfowl hunting. Um, but I think now there's just so much more publicity on it. You know, you got mm. YouTube and you've got articles and, uh, you know, we're, we're living in the information age where anyone can, you know, type something in like, how's the duck hunting in this state? And, you know, you can find out, Oh, okay. That might be pretty good. Maybe I want to try that. Um, so I think it's maybe more of a, just there's, there's more, the words getting out more, um, which, you know, is both a good and a bad thing. It's, you know, double-edged sword, unfortunately. Yeah. So I've got some, I've got some statistics here. So 98.1% of Kansas is, um, private land 308 or 300,000 acres is solely public and then they've got a million acres uh based on their weehaw program whereas nebraska uh they just have a count on both the open fields and waters and then public land but we're at 1.2 million acres so basically they have 100,000 acres more than us in terms of public land which i mean doesn't seem like a lot but I still, it's hundred. I'd take a hundred thousand acres. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so yeah, that I mean, we're pretty close in terms of public land. I just, um, I, what's your thoughts on like the difference? I, 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 I guess my first question is, I think you have more of experience with Kansas, but what's your thoughts in terms of maintenance of at least wetlands between Kansas and Nebraska? Like. How, how are we doing as states and to protect them or like quality wise? Okay. Um, you know, that, that rainwater basin area is a really good, good area. There's a lot of, uh, I believe it's federal land and even some state land down there that they manage fairly well. I know some guys have complaints about the pumping schedule and I'm not really that familiar with all that. Um, compared to Kansas, they get more of the reservoirs and then, you know, Cheyenne bottoms, the, the big one, the, the Mecca that tons of people flock to, it seems like. Um, but I, I guess I'd put them as fairly comparable. They're, you know, there, there's good wetlands, wetlands in both states. I, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think they do a really good job, like you said, of wetland or at Cheyenne bottoms. I think there's a couple towards... I would say central that they do a really good job in Nebraska. And I mean, it's funny. We, we joke about that, but like there's a couple of trips we thought about making that we didn't. And there was one to Kansas and then one to Nebraska. And we failed miserably in both of them, like making that decision because that same weekend, I think it was a third weekend at Teal that you came down here and hunted with someone like you whipped the crap out of them and we didn't go. And we just like watched the sky yeah, I was going to say, we went to some little, I found like 30 teal on a little hole after a day of scouting. But we were going to go to central Nebraska the second weekend, and uh, Hunter got some bad information, and they ended up whooping him that weekend too. So <laughs> it's the way it goes. I mean, uh, you know, it's the tale of two different seasons. You you were on them, and, you know, we weren't, which is good i mean it's not a bad thing it happens we all have bad seasons oh yeah i mean i i i struggled i definitely struggled with duck goose season was great uh i will say uh i'm sorry jeremy yeah goose season was great and then (laughs) snow goose season was it was pretty good yeah that was fun 
it, that, it was a good turnaround for the season. Snow Goose definitely made up for the duck <laughs> season that we had this year and <laughs> what you want to call goose season. So what's your uh, what's your plans in terms of uh, traveling next year? Oh, I've got a couple of trips planned. Um, Going to get up to North Dakota for the early goose season in August. I don't know, one of the, probably not an opener, I think it's like a middle of the week kind of deal. But one of those first couple weekends planning on hunting up there with uh, some buddies. And then uh, Wyoming again and Nebraska. Those are the ones I've got planned so far. Going to put in for a Utah swan tag, but I doubt I'll draw it this year. You ever thought about putting in for South or North Dakota? Yeah. um, I just don't really have a lot of places to go in South Dakota and you know you've got that non-resident what what is it I don't know how what the drawing odds on that are yeah. but uh, not everyone gets to waterfowl hunt South Dakota every year I think your draw rates at like somewhere around 40 percent and then it goes up as if you're putting into a group so that that was going to be our big we were going to do one big hurrah and do like a whole week out in South Dakota but my child has ruined that so yeah kudos to my child already <laughs> Also, you're you're doing something that I've been trying to convince Hunter to do, but he just he won't do it. I my problem is is like anything else, it's feast and famine in the North Dakota like early goose season, and I've heard some guys love it, and I've heard some guys just absolutely hate it because it's I mean you, you August September it's hot, buggy, uh, and I mean it's mixed results depending on how the migration is and what the weather is like, you know, it seems like every year it gets warmer and warmer. So those birds don't come to North Dakota. It seems like, and well, you're not really hunting. That's, I think that's where you're missing it. You're not really well, hunting. It's, a, it's a lot of locals. You're hunting locals. Yeah, I get that. I just, if I was going to do early goose season to be real with you, I would go to Minnesota and I'd hunt with a guide. Or if I was going to make a trip north, I would just end up going to Canada and just doing yeah, that. They lifted the vaccine mandates. Yeah, see, Nebraska actually used to have an early goose season. Yeah, years years even before I even started goose hunting, duck hunting. I I want to say twenty twelve or twenty thirteen was like the last year I remember it. Yeah, they should uh, they should do that again. Get all these people who want to push up goose season to like late <laughs> October get get them out of the way that way we can just be to do with it and finally push our season back because yeah. I don't know why they keep like inching it up or inching it back a little bit but it used to be it was closed like every year it was always closed of on Valentine's Day that was the last day but in the last couple of years it's been like the weekend before and like our like down here the the goose season is fire the last two weeks in February. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he's looking at He's giving me crap right now, but I remember we dosed him the last two hunts we went on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't think I got an invite on either of those hunts, too. Well, he probably wanted to shoot the band, Jeremy. Well, see, the thing is, I got Hunter's first band this year, and he just didn't even... <laughs> see hunter should be like pushing for this whole early goose season to come back because he should know that if we had an early goose season in nebraska again 
we would crush some bands. You mean <laughs> what he means by that is I'll I'll shoot bands from North Dakota yeah. and he'll shoot all the local bands. So I I mean I hey, told, I'll take local bands. Yeah. Well, I told you about that group of geese we were hunting and actually next year if the, you know, tables or the, the um, schedules align, you ought to come out here for opening goose because we'd probably get you on some bands. Cause I got, I know some locals very, very well. Um, I, mean, right. I mean, I've, I, I personally <laughs> have shot seven out of these locals in the last two years. <laughs> so, um, and they don't care that you hunt the golf course. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the little, like, you seen the fishing rods in a golf club? Mine's, you know, a shotgun, you know, just. Yeah. Yeah. See, with the sub gauge, no one would hear it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. See, 28 <laughs> gauges. There you go. <laughs> I'll get a 410 and shoot them like turkeys. <laughs> no, but, uh, it is funny, though, he's, what he said. I've shot seven of those bands out of that group, and I've never shot one that has been, more than 20, 20 miles away <laughs> from where it was banded. And the one he shot with me this year was banded in North Dakota. <laughs> I, just, I lost my mind. I couldn't believe it. Because <laughs> I'd shot one that day, too. And he told me, he's like, did you check your band? I was like, no, I haven't yet. It's, he's like, well, mine's from North Dakota. So I, like, it was like, I won't lie. I'd, I'd taken one of those real long, you know, duck naps after getting home and so it was like seven or eight at night already <laughs> and i just run outside and i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> just to get a local band again but uh <laughs> so basically going back to he, he's he's a little he's a little bitter after the season about goose hunting but i kicked myself a few times because there was one hunt that they did really well on that i was supposed to be a part of but I had a buddy who still was trying to fill a deer tag, and so I oh. went with them, and they shot, like, what, eight or nine that night? Yep. Yeah. So it is what it is. Sorry, buddy. It happens. And then the next day, I I I told them that it wasn't going to be worth it because yeah. I didn't think it was going to be, and then next thing you know, we just slam them. I think uh. we shot 12 or 13. Yeah. You had a better time than you did the night before. I yep. remember that. I was a little sad about that one too, but but uh, I I'm just curious. Um, so it sounds like from I listened to I think most of it sounds like you took over the Foul Front podcast. Am I correct about that? Yeah. Yep. So what 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 spurred that on? Because it seemed like it took forever for Ben to finally decide to give it over to you. Yeah, we're still we've got some logistics still behind the scenes. Uh, just you know, software wise or something, but, uh, he, he's just so busy with his new job and raising his daughter and, you know, life that he doesn't really have time for it. And it was just sitting there. So he's like, Hey, you want to, want to take it over? Cause you know, we were co-hosting. We actually had you on one time, I think, yep. uh, that was years ago now, but, uh, yeah, so they just asked if I wanted to take it over and, Right now, I'm just, you know, it's behind the scenes still. I'll probably do more with it as this gets closer to season. But, uh, yeah, hopefully get all them issues fixed and, you know, really get moving forward on it. See, that's Ben and the Foul Front podcast was like the, I would say the 
formidable, formidable reason why I decided to do a podcast because I, I really appreciated Ben's stance, um, especially on conservation and the, you know, the three R's I'd like to get him on at some point talking about that. And like, I just, you know, he just seemed like a humble dude that just liked to hunt. And that, that was the reason why I finally decided to make the jump. Cause him and I had talked about, I like maybe co-hosting with him and that kind of stuff. And like, I think he was just kind of, he had just moved to Lincoln and was kind of working through all that stuff. And I just finally, that's when I finally decided to make the jump. So, I mean, it's cool to see that that didn't kind of just, I say not go to, you know, like not go to waste and that you're, yeah. kinda, you're picking up the flag and going. Yep. Hopefully can get her, you know, get her back up and running, going, going good. We'll see. But I mean, is he going to still be on the podcast or is it like just going to be here and there? Yeah, he'll, he'll stop by every now and then, uh, you know, whenever he can, he's got some, he's got some good turkey hunting stories from this season already that, that I want to hear like in full detail, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably do another one here, hopefully in a month or so, kind of wrap it up, get ready for, you know, help people get out of the duck depression when it's June and July. I'm already there, buddy. I felt it. Bad. Oh, I felt yeah. it bad today, so bad. Oh, it's so. I mean, there's there's beautiful wood ducks and shovelers and everything around, and I'm just like you're rubbernecking driving down the road whenever you go by a pond. Right now, it's like, oh my gosh, why can't I be out there right now? Yeah, I was down in Kansas a couple weekend weekends ago trying to find turkeys and didn't work, of course, but. There was ducks everywhere still, and I came across just a pool. I've got pictures. I just haven't posted them yet. Just a pool of blue wings. Uh, oh, yeah. Blue wings, wood ducks, shovelers, uh, a coot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they uh, Looks like you've you've gotten into gotten into duck photography. What spurred that on? Oh, you know, I, I, I had my, uh, my DSLR cause I, I used to vlog with it and, uh, just decided to upgrade the lens. Cause it's like, you know, I'm out here. I've got, sometimes I'll have ducks that, you know, I just like watching or it'll be like two season. You can't shoot them anyways. It's like, well, why don't I get pictures of these? You know, and it, it's kind of like hunting ducks, you know, it gives me another excuse to be out in the marsh, to be watching ducks in the off season, especially when they're all nice and pretty. So I, you know, I just, Kind of bit the bullet, bought a nice lens, and uh, got some pretty cool pictures so far. Yeah. Was, but I don't know. Just another fun activity. It was fun to watch you and uh, Jeremy over here kind of beef and, like, go back and forth with photos. <laughs> I, I, I actually, you know, it, it got me through those, like, two months. Uh, you know, right after goose ended, whatever, I had a goose season. And then... Tell you know turkey season. Don't get me wrong, snow goose helped a lot, but I was taking a lot of those pictures during that time. But so it was really enjoyable. Uh, I definitely, you definitely had stayed up with it more than I have. It's not that I haven't had any. I just have been painfully more dedicated to the turkeys than I have been to making sure I post pictures. <laughs> but what do you when it comes to that? Um, what do you prefer to take the pictures of? Do you like shooting geese more or ducks? I like ducks. I Absolutely. Say. I mean, just 
way more colorful. Yeah, as I say, you you definitely have me beat on the ducks. I don't I can't seem to quite get the ducks right like you can. Um but something about the geese. Uh, I just love taking pictures of geese. I don't know why. I think it's because they're slower and a little easier to follow. But yeah, you know, you're moving such a heavy lens. But I've got so like I haven't even posted probably a quarter of the goose shots that I got from this winter. Um, just I'm at this point. I'm just holding out until after turkey season, and then I'll start posting really heavy again, just to get through the summer months. Oh yeah, but yeah, I I certainly enjoy it. Yeah, I need. Yeah, it's it's fun time. I've been. uh, He's got that big lens that he's he's been borrowing from his uncle. That like, it it's like you you really need to have like a four six hundred millimeter lens, and like I've got a two hundred, and I've been wanting to buy that two point eight, and then put the teleconverter on it so I can get out to four hundred. And I just like that 200 takes good photos, but just not crisp enough where it's like nice and long. What are you, are, are you using a Tamron or a Sigma? I've got a Sigma up to 600. Yeah, that's, that's about what you need to take like some, because like that 600 really gets you like that 50 yards where you can still take like good photos. And like my, my 200, I mean, you can crop it and it looks all right at like, 30 yards but you definitely need that like 600 shot but it seems like man it's it's one of those things where like during snow goose season because we're on that pond I have never had so many ducks like just dump in and not even think about it and just hang out yeah we had one day that it still kind of breaks my heart I left the camera at home um (laughs) Because it was supposed to rain, and I just wasn't going to mess with it. And we saw so many ducks that day. We even saw a duck that we knew was in the area. It's been there frequently. We just never... I didn't lay my eyes on it until that day, but there was a um, a white mallard. Yep. Ooh. Yeah. I Let me tell you, I would have, like, sold all the future children I might have down the road to be able to get a picture of that bird. <laughs> and I didn't have my camera because it was supposed to rain. It didn't rain at all. Oh, I was dude. so mad, dude. Uh, it broke my heart. Sorry, buddy. I know. I'm just Hell, maybe it'll fly by your spread. Maybe. I'm, uh, I'm on your, vi- or your, uh, YouTube and uh so are you you and jordan gonna be doing like a, a 40k race or a 30k race because you got to beat by like six seven thousand that see i tried to challenge him he only challenges me when he's like close just close enough that cause every time he challenges me the last two times i've been up by like i don't know a thousand or something and he he knows that that's just close enough that then he can come from behind and steal steal a victory away and then, uh, you know, then I'll be like, okay, like next time I can beat him because, you know, and it hasn't happened yet. But no, I think he's uh, he's pretty defeated. He doesn't want doesn't want to race a thirty or forty k now. Well, it seems like like you guys always have like different cuts in the season because he's farther north. 
Like, you always have a really good teal season, so you always seem like you get ahead of him because of teal season. And then he, like, goes to Michigan and, like, does that kind of stuff, and then he ends up, like, somehow managing to catch you before the big ducks, like, really show up here and you can get rolling. It's like, like your 20K race, I was like, son of a gun. Yeah, he's got, you know, he's got the, uh, well, they've got early goose season there in Indiana, and that, you know, a lot of people like watching those. So he, he does really good on those. And then Michigan, and I don't know if Indiana opens, but Michigan opens like September, that last weekend in September. It's like the earliest duck season in America, you know, with North Dakota and whatever. So he goes up there and, you know, we're waiting. Well, last year we had to wait two weeks. This year it's back up finally. But, uh, yeah, he, he gets a little little bit of boost from that. Gotta love it, man. Well. We're getting to about an hour. I think we're about up in time. Uh, Jeremy, you got any questions for him? Oh, shoot. We could have Matt on again. I mean, <laughs> I'll sit here and ask Matt questions all day. <laughs> He'll actually probably get annoyed at me. <laughs> no. Well, let me uh, let, let us know if you get any cuts in the season. I mean, obviously that third weekend of teal seasons, we can get into something or figure something out. Or yeah, I mean, big duck. I would say early's down. Early season down here is good, and I'm I'm really looking at getting into a private spot that would be like straight money sauce. So hopefully that works out, and if that's the case, and hopefully you can come down or. Like, usually goose season's really good down here, too. So, if you get some cut in your season, just let us know. I'm sure we can figure yeah, out Yeah, appreciate out. it. But, uh... I do have one question for you guys real quick, though. Yep. Okay. okay, what are your predictions for Nebraska football this year? Oh, shoot. Uh, I'm Just the record. I think we're going to go 500. I think that we do have some new talent, and I think that because we actually do have wideouts this year that it gives us a, def- a definite definite boost. And I think that his new assistants bring some fresh freshness and some fire to the program that they were needing. And I think that uh, Scott Frost is really under the fire from the big money in Nebraska. <laughs> and so I think everything yeah. there is kind of like we're going we're gonna to brawl out to at least get to 500 and make it to a bowl game this year. Um, I actually haven't even looked at our schedule yet for the year. I'd have to look at the schedule to, or I'd have to hear the schedule, give an honest opinion. You looking it up? Yeah. It'll be pretty easy, but yeah, well, that doesn't mean anything. So we played Northwestern, North, uh, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Oklahoma, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. I think we're going to lose the last three. Minnesota, I'm guessing we'll probably lose, but we should be able to win Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Indiana, Rutgers, and then either one, Purdue, or Illinois. So I think we'll make that six games to go to a bowl game. But, uh, well, I always bite myself. In the butt a little bit because I, I I lean more optimistic. Unfortunately, I'm really I'm really happy with the recruit, recruit class we had. A lot of offense. Um, I am curious to see how this quarterback from Texas will play. I 
wasn't anti-Adrian Martinez, but he didn't have that extra gear to finish the game. And I think we... I do think that there are issues with Scott Frost. I know people hate me for saying that. But at the same time, I think his record is tainted by having Adrian Martinez under his belt a little bit. Because... I can think of several games last year that he lost in particular just because of silly mistakes, turnovers, yada, yada. But I don't know because my thing is if we get to that those last three games and we're sitting six and three, we're better than we've ever been, and I wouldn't be surprised. I would say we go seven and five. I think we can. And we'll get a bowl game. It'll be a crappy one. But that's me hoping because every year, every, oh, for like the last four years, I get past teal season and I'm like, thank goodness for hunting season because football is just so out of the picture at that point for me. I mean, this year, this year when we lost to Oklahoma at the last second, I a piece of Nebraska history died in my heart because uh, uh, just uh, it just it hurt me I didn't I, I think I only watched one more game that, that the rest of the season and it was the Michigan State game and uh, all Nebraska fans know how painful that game was this year <laughs> being up 10 points with what three minutes left to go in the game it wasn't much. I don't remember how much we were. I know we were up ten, and then of course, Martinez threw an interception in overtime. So yeah, what's your thoughts, man? You know, I used to be like you, Jeremy. I used to be super optimistic and yeah. whatever. The last what is it now? Seven, eight years has beaten that out of me. I know. Uh, like on paper, we should be a nine and three team this yeah. year. I think we'll go five and seven. Frost will be canned, and all this will be for naught. Well, I mean, I, sorry. I hope he's canned if he goes five and seven this year. Oh, I, I he know. Makes a bowl game, he can stay. I know he's on like the that. hot seat. If he doesn't make a bowl game this year, I've heard he's out. Um, yeah. Well, they've got that poison pill on his contract this year. So. Well, and the, Nebraska has to move on from him. Um, if he does bad this year, both because of his coaching and he's, you know, had some scandalous activities in the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, it is what it is, but it, it, it's going to become a nightmare too fast. So I, I understand, like, I, I want to be optimistic, but it's tough to be. That's why I only went, honestly, that's why I went seven and five because my heart believes we could go nine and three, but. Well, I, in in all regards, like I feel bad for not only Nebraska but also Scott Frost. Like, yes, uh, if I've not been a fan of the way he coached the last few years, yes. But like, if we're gonna be honest with one another, and I think we've Matt and you and I have talked about it. Like, Matt was or no Matt Scott Frost was not ready for the role of being in a Power Five school at Nebraska when he came from Florida. Oh yeah, he just was not ready for it. He was ready for a small power five school like in Indiana or whatnot, like, and somewhat like build the program. Cause like most great coaches, 
go from a tiny school to a mid-sized school, build that program. He, he figures out how to build a program. In Florida, he never had to build a program. All he had to do was put the right pieces in the right spots, give them some motivation, and they were a great team. Like, they, they had all the pieces they needed there. So, like, he hasn't had the experience of building a program. Nebraska was that building experience, and we've had paid the price the last four or five years for him learning how to build a program. And, you know, in my opinion, it's taken longer than it should have for him to figure that out. I think he should have been gone already. But it's, yeah. I mean, I at least someone was, Trev, Trev Alberts was at least willing to come in and be the boulder that said, no, like, you're changing or you're gone. Like, we're not going to play the same game. So yeah. I was I was happy to hear when when that happened and that especially them putting the fire under him with his contract and you know we've had this history the last two or three coaches where we paid coaches for years on years and you know after this next one where we don't have to pay him out as much like I think we should go I you know I think we should go for some big shot you know we got the money to do it. Go for some Lane Kiffin. Oh god! I know. I we've we've been on the same uh, page with that, and I've got a buddy that's an Ole Miss fan, and he would hate us if I, I if we stole them. But like man. Lane, I can't stand Lane Kiffin. Lane the I train, mean, a, man. He is a good coach, but oh god, Lane the train. See, like Lane came from. What did he do? He came. He went from FAU, right? I mean, actually, I'm curious. Cause he started he, out. Was it? He was with the Raiders, then he went to Tennessee, then USC, offensive coordinator for Alabama, then FAU, now Old Miss. See, there you go. Like, he had a smaller program that he did a good job building, and then he ended up going to somewhere else. And, like, yeah, he just has a lot of a lot more experience to be able to build a, a Power 5 school. So, like, eh, I mean, what are you going to do? Because, yeah, look at this. They were... 2017 FAU and 11 and 3, 2018 5 and 7, 2019 10 and 3. So, like, he built the FAU program to the point where, like, it was successful. And then he went to Ole Miss and has managed to build their program. So, it's, I mean, you could say what you want, but at least he has a background and a history of not doing that, not just like it almost seems like one odd year of, you know, Florida. Or not, not Florida Gators, but um, say what what school he come from, Matt? Do you remember? Oh, hey, uh, What school oh. did he come from? Who are you talking about? Uh, Scott Frost. Oh, he came from UFC. Oh, UCF. UCF. There you go. But yeah, but that's kind of what I see. I mean, the buzz around Lincoln is everyone's excited about the new North Stadium that or the training facility they're starting to get rolling on um and i mean it's hopeful for the year but a lot of people don't it used to be nebraska football used to be like nebraska pheasant hunting when you went out you expect to shoot a limit nebraska football you expected to whoop the crap out of like lowly teams and be competitive with good teams now it's just kind of like i hope we find one (laughs) 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 so well i appreciate you coming on uh before we kind of jump off and get going here um go ahead and shout out your social medias youtube your 
your podcast and go from there. Yeah, you guys can find me all on uh, on YouTube, High Prairie Sportsman, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all under the same name. Um, and then I am, once again, the, the new host of the Foul Front Podcast, which will probably have new episodes, hopefully sometime this summer, coming out. Well, sounds good, buddy. I really appreciate you coming on, spend some time, uh, you know, babbling back and forth with us. <laughs> and uh, go ahead and hold on the line while I sign us off here. Well, thanks again, listeners, for jumping on the Big Red Hunters podcast. Uh, if you love the episode, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, if you want to join the community, with uh, I, I'm on there. I'm pretty sure Matt's in there. Uh, we talk everything Nebraska hunting and waterfowl and hunting in general. If you have any questions for us, especially coming up for next season and buying and you know asking me if you should buy some snow goose decoys, which you should. My bike broke, but... Uh, Go ahead and jump on to Bigger Hunters Fans Forum on Facebook and join the podcast group. So, all right, guys, appreciate it and have a good night.